Father, I thank you for this opportunity to speak to access. I thank you for technology. I thank you that you are here with me and you are here with those who are listening and watching. And God, even though this is recorded, I pray that you would use it. And I ask Holy Spirit that you would speak through me and you would use this message for your glory and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. I remember it vividly. It was April of 2015. Scott and I were exploring this new church plant in West Baltimore called the Broken Wall. I was investigating what they were all about, meeting new people, going to meetings, and it was all very exciting. And there I was, sitting in a huge empty banquet room in downtown Baltimore, filled with tables and chairs. I was sitting there with the pastor, Ron Willoughby, his wife, Barbara, and a woman named Millie Brown. Millie was telling us her heart for this ministry that she started. It was for mothers who had lost children to violence in the city. She was putting together this fancy banquet for Mother's Day just to love on people. And we had agreed to help her. It was inspiring and exciting. And I was really on cloud nine as I left the building. But as we left downtown, we took local roads going home and just seemed to be blocked every which way we tried to turn. We saw these huge armored vehicles, you know, like the ones you only see in TV, on TV, um, and you never see in real life. We heard helicopters circling above. I felt nervous, but oddly calm. But I just had a sense that something bad was happening, you know? Later, I turned on the TV and very, very near where I had just been praying and rejoicing, people were protesting in the streets. Buildings and property were being set on fire and yes, there was looting. All of it was in reaction to the death of Freddie Gray. He was a young man who was arrested for running away from the police. He was handcuffed and given a rough ride in the back of a police van, which gave him spinal injuries and eventually killed him. I was shocked. How is this happening in the year 2015? How is this connected to the meeting I just had hours ago? Why was there so much violence? And why, oh why, was there so much anger? Would you turn with me to Luke chapter 10? And I'll pause just a moment, a moment to let you uh, look for it in your Bibles. It's a, a story um, that you've probably heard many times before. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Now Jesus is approached by a teacher of the law, which was common for him during his time on earth. He was performing miracles and teaching like he was God, so much so that leaders were nervous about him. They didn't like this rogue man leading the people astray. So a really smart religious guy who knows the laws of God inside and out comes to test Jesus. And he starts out with a basic question. How does a person inherit eternal life? Now, Jesus is a good Jew and he knows the laws. And so he answers, love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your mind, your soul, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the teacher really likes that answer, and he thinks, oh, maybe Jesus is a good guy after all. And so he goes for a little more affirmation. Wanting to justify himself, he asks, who is my neighbor? And to this, Jesus answers by telling a story. And now let's look at that together. In Luke chapter 10, verse 25, I'm sorry, verse 30. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. As I understand it, the road from Jerusalem to Jericho was dangerous, and people often got robbed. I imagine it was a trip the people were wary of taking, and they only took it if they had to. It's kind of like driving through Baltimore City. Now, I think driving through Baltimore is much safer than walking from Jerusalem to Jericho in biblical times. But I have heard more than one person admit to me they don't like going through Baltimore, and so they go around it. It can be uncomfortable. It can even be dangerous, especially if you don't know where you're going. Now, just imagine you're just wanting to get from point A to point B, and Waze does not have a don't take me through rough urban landscape button. And now here you are in some deserted trash filled street lined with boarded up houses. On one side, a gaunt looking woman is sitting on the stoop of a home. And on the other side, several men are hanging around outside this corner store. I can just imagine. I turn the corner and I see crumpled up in a heap, a man beat up lying on the sidewalk. I slow down. I look around and I think, what's up with this guy? Is he drunk? Is he high? If I stop to help him, are those guys around the corner gonna jump me? I like to think I would not be the priest or the Levite who passed by. I like to think I would be the Samaritan who stopped, put this man in my car and drove him to the hospital. But am I? Often I hear that this passage is about self-sacrifice. We must learn how to give of ourselves, our time and our resources to care for those in need. And I think that's true. I do think this passage is talking about that. But I've traveled in and through some of the roughest parts of Baltimore. And I have to say, I actually have some sympathy for the Levite and the priest. As an Asian woman of small stature, stopping in the middle of Baltimore to help someone just isn't a simple matter especially if my kids are with me. But again, I don't think Jesus is only talking about my willingness to sacrifice or even my faith in trusting him to protect me. Yes, the Levite and the priest couldn't be bothered. That is absolutely true. 
And yes, we need to be bothered. We need to be okay with being bothered. But I think there's an implied meaning in this text that we should not miss. And that is, who are we to judge who gets mercy and who doesn't? The Levite and the priest decided about this man most likely completely subconsciously. Uh, he doesn't really deserve mercy. I don't really need to help him. Or even, he must have done something to deserve this. If I'm honest, it's often my first thought too, to blame the victim. I mean, let's face it. Had they realized that it was their brother lying there, their friend, or the high priest, they would have stopped. But instead, in that very moment, whether they realized it or not, they made themselves judge. Now, I wanted to share with you some of um, my favorite photos from this year. Literally almost a year ago, um, we decided to, for the first time, have a big Thanksgiving dinner for our community. Um, we had a team from South Carolina come and help us and we wanted it to be a beautifully plated dinner and we had three different courses and we just had a lovely time serving and just giving thanks together. These are some photos of our, some of our vocational ministers and we were given a room in the school as partners of the school and we had some friends come and put in these floors for us and some youth workers last summer paint the room. Um, here's my badge. We were pretty excited about getting official badges through the school system. Um, this is Eric and Kemu and myself. Last Christmas, we sponsored a lunch for the teachers and faculty, and that's a photo of them doing a photo booth. Um, these little young men, um, Alexi and Justin, we gifted them with some new shoes last year. And this is a photo of Pastor Ron playing Jenga with some of the kids before worship. This is probably some of um, worship gathering photos from before COVID, right before COVID. And, um, oops, sorry. There are photos of girls, uh, young women singing with Patrice and with uh, people gathered around to pray before worship um, during the gym time, the open gym time, and of serving sandwiches after worship. This past summer, even though COVID was going on, we were able to receive, um, apply and receive grants to feed people in our community. And so we started a food delivery program and we got giant blocks of chicken, divided them up um, and vacuum sealed them together with produce boxes and canned goods. We deliver them to um, anywhere between 80 and 100 um, homes every week. And it was a huge endeavor and also um, just a really amazing time of ministry. Got some of the youth and kids uh, to come and help us. And we prayed together before we went out. Um, these are some of the guys breaking down chicken um, and then some of the canned goods and things that we gave out. 
Last year, the big project that we embarked on um, was through Kaboom, and we rebuilt the playground at the school. We had probably about 10 churches come out and help us, along with community members and faculty and staff of the school. Um, this is um, Councilman Chris Burnett of Baltimore City, and over here is the mayor, um, Jack Young, and our principal Burrell, that's Pastor Ron. And um, here we are excited about having our logo um, on the sign in front of the playground. And it was really just a time of coming together as a community and doing something together. Afterwards, we had um, a huge meal and a big worship gathering time together. And we just praise God and thank him for that. And here are some photos of the kids enjoying the playground. And I wanna be clear about these photos that they are highlights of our ministry, literally highlights, because honestly, there have probably been more lows than highs. And this work is really tough. It's hard. It's not for the faint of heart. It's complicated too, extremely complicated. Um, when you have a people of incredibly diverse backgrounds come together, we're trying to create a socioeconomically diverse, educationally diverse, racially diverse church and serve relentlessly. It's complicated to say the least. I started with Freddie Gray today because I don't need to explain to you that I felt some of the same emotions again with the death of George Floyd. I personally couldn't process it. I didn't know what to think. I knew my black friends were hurting and angry though, and so I intentionally called some of them to tell them that I was with them, that I was sorry, that I was praying. One young man who grew up in Baltimore said to me, thank you, Miss Emily, for calling. Um, but you know, to be honest, this isn't anything new. This stuff has been going on forever. And he's right, it's old. It's so old, Jesus was talking about it too. Jesus finished his story and turns to this teacher of the law and asks, which of these was a neighbor to the man who was robbed? The man said, the one who showed mercy. Go and do likewise, Jesus said. Now let's not forget that the man's original question was, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus essentially is answering that question with, show mercy. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Show mercy. Now, before you deem me a heretic, maybe this will help some. Before this encounter and this parable, Luke records an interesting conversation between Jesus and his disciples. And Luke is so particular in his writing that I think this placement is intentional. Turn back with me to Luke 10, but this time, let's go to verse 21, okay? At that same hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. 
All things have been handed over to me by my father, and no one knows who the son is except the father, or who the father is except the son, and anyone to whom the son chooses to reveal him. Then turning to the disciples, Jesus said to them privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. You see, the wise and the learned, the prophets and kings, the powerful, the mighty, the rich, sometimes have a hard time seeing God because their faith is limited by their knowledge and their power and their wealth. But those who have faith like a child, they can see God. What questions are you asking? How do I get eternal life? What's the minimum I need to do? Or how do I really know you, God? How do I see you? How do I participate in what you're doing here on earth? If you find yourself like I do, among the learned, the wise, the affluent, and the best thing you can do is learn to show mercy. And in doing so, you might find God. We really need to stop asking ourselves who deserves mercy and just show it. Trust me, I know it's complicated. Working among the poor, trust me when I say, I know the arguments on both sides. I know how it feels to be taken advantage of. I know what feels to wonder if you're being taken advantage of. I know what feels to be tired, to be tired of caring, to be dry, dusty, and crusty, to feel alone. And yet, mercy is always the starting point. And more importantly, it is always the returning point. Let me say that again. Mercy is always the starting point and it is also always the returning point. If there was ever a time when we just needed to stop judging and start loving, it has to be now. Let's stop judging ourselves. Let's stop judging each other. Let's stop judging the other side. And let's stop judging the poor. The kingdom of God that resides in you and me is in a battle and we have been distracted for too long. And so my prayer for us is the one written by St. Francis of Assisi. Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that these words and your words would go forth and bear fruit. I pray that you would create in us a desire 
to show mercy to the least of these, to learn how to do it, to be better at it, to make that our first reaction rather than one of judgment. I pray that you would do this work in me, in my church, and in access as well. And Lord, I pray that in doing so, you would bring you glory, and that your kingdom would be seen here on earth, and that people would find you and see you. We ask for your mercy on us, God, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I go, Access, I just wanted to personally thank you again for this opportunity to share with you. And I thank you for your support for me this upcoming year. Uh, I hope you learned a little bit more about the Broken Wall and the people that you are supporting through me. Um, I'm so grateful again, and I look forward to visiting you all in Houston sometime, God willing. And if you would like to commit to praying for us and receiving our monthly prayer newsletter, please just email me at emily at brokenwallproject.org. I'm certain you can also just contact someone from, from the lead team and um, they can pass on your email to me. But I would love, love, love for you all to pray for us. And uh, I'm so grateful for your prayers and support. Thank you. Emily, thank you so much for taking the time to share with us from Luke chapter 10 and this kingdom story about the Good Samaritan. So many good things in this passage that are both comforting, but also very challenging. And my hope is that our church can learn to live more faithfully in the way of Jesus uh, and take these words to heart. You know, uh, the Broken Walls Church uh, that you are a part of has this theme verse that I want to share today. It's from Ephesians chapter 2. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. You know, this verse describes how we human beings have a barrier between us and God and with our neighbors. And through the ministry of your church, you're learning to break these walls down. And my hope and my prayer for access is that we learn to do the same in these very divided times. Also, uh, access, I want to help you uh, know that there's a new ministry team that formed uh, over this past year. It's called Access Mission Advocates. It's replacing what Beyond These Walls used to do. That was a, um, an older ministry team name. But we're in these days helping uh, more of the Access community to be connected to our mission partners. We have mission partners that are both local and global doing the work of God, uh, living out the kingdom way. And what Access Mission Advocate seeks to do is connect people with these, um, these partners financially, through prayer, and also even interpersonally. We hope to do that more faithfully in the days to come. Loving God through all our years, let the church be a community where we learn about love and practice it, where we envision peace and work to build it, where we meet partners in faith who wish to abandon everything that cheapens our discipleship, where we discover gifts 
and offer them. May your spirit guide us toward joy and generosity. In Jesus' name, in the way of Jesus, amen.